Beaver podcast. We're really lucky to have with us today uh, Dave Rendell, um, President-elect of Beaver, uh, who is just back from from um, the Ukrainian border in Poland. And we thought it would be great to speak to Dave and understand a little bit about how how his trip came to pass and what he saw in his trip and what the future might hold and how Beaver might be involved in helping in Ukraine. So Dave, firstly, uh, welcome. Uh, how are you feeling after getting back from Ukraine? <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks, David. Uh, morning. Um, how am I feeling? That's <laughs> uh, mixed emotions. I think. I think pleased to see that there is some really good stuff going on there, but I think also slightly horrified by the scale of what needs to be done, and also intensely frustrated by the fact that there isn't an overarching coordinated effort either managing the humanitarian situation or managing the veterinary situation. I guess we probably never expected there to be a joined up effort for the veterinary situation because it's very much second to the humanitarian disaster that's going on. Um, but I, I I suppose thought there would be some big overarching DEC, Red Cross, European Union response to the humanitarian crisis. But from what I can see, there just isn't. And that, I think it's just intensely frustrating that a lot of this has been coordinated by volunteers running various different WhatsApp groups. And it and it really is largely running through through WhatsApp groups. I'm sure there's a lot going on at top level that I never saw. But helping the people on the ground, it's all just down to volunteers. And I suppose in some ways that's reassuring that those of us who are trying to help in various different ways aren't wasting our time. I think there's there's naturally a bit of scepticism around have-a-go heroes and a feeling that maybe we should just put all our money in the big pot and that will be the best way of taking care of it. And clearly that big pot is really, really important. Um, but what individual people are doing is really mattering and seeing all the individual donations, the little cardboard boxes that are all, all going over there. I think we all package those things up and wonder what the hell happens to them. But having seen them all in the, in the refugee camps and, and bringing it back to the veterinary stuff, having seen all that stuff in the stables and going into Ukraine, it, it's reassuring to see that it does matter. Good. So, well, let's take it back right to the beginning, because I think, you know, you're my experience of working with you a little bit over the last few years is you're not one to sit around and prevaricate about stuff you like to jump in and and make things happen um so what sort of kicked off yeah we we know the hideous uh, war in ukraine started um but what kicked off your engagement with the with the um with the effort uh i, I think what you're trying to say there is i'm impatient uh, <laughs> <laughs> um which is fair enough. Uh, um, I think Till Horman, to be honest, I I I don't know why, but I I was just stuck to the news reports and stuff, just out of, out of sheer horror at what was going on. And because I work from home, I have the liberty of being able to stick BBC News on in the background all the time. And I was just angry at what was going on and felt powerless to do much about it. And then. When I saw when I saw Till's report that he'd done 
done more than any of us and just took it upon himself to load a load of gear, stick it in his van and go there and take it. Um, I just emailed and said, Till, what can I do to help? Like, great effort. And it's kind of snowballed from there. Till, um, I spoke to, well, I spoke to Malk Morley, actually, at BVA and said, come on, what are BVA doing? Um, both from a humanitarian perspective and a, and a veterinary perspective. And then a group of us sort of got together, me, Till, Malk, and then Antonina Babchuk, uh, who set up British Vet Professionals for Ukraine. We just sort of got together and we're trying to find ways to help. Um, and initially that was humanitarian. And then that's moved more into the veterinary space because that's clearly where we feel our, our strength is. Uh, and through that, and through obviously working with Beaver, we were then working with the British Equestrians Group. And that ultimately, I guess, is how I ended up going over there, was to support the the equestrian effort specifically. Um, but we're still trying to do stuff on the humanitarian side and the and the, the wider veterinary side. So so there's a there's a sort of linkage between the various groups there. Can you explain what the what the differences in terms of effort are? Perhaps starting with the BEF efforts. Yeah. That's focused by understanding well, correctly, that's focused on horses, is that right? Yeah, totally. I, I think as we highlighted at the beginning, this whole thing is largely being done by volunteers who are working together in different groups. And there's a lot of overlap between those different groups. There's even overlap between some of the veterinary and human groups where there's, where there's, where there's, where there's where it's sensible it's logistically to work together. So, so um, uh, on the, yeah, the, the British equestrians group is a partnership and forgive me if I forget anyone that's involved in the partnership, but British, so, so uh, British equestrian, um, BHS, World Horse Welfare, um, Beta, and now Beaver and British Vet Professionals for Ukraine, all kind of working together, uh, focusing on equines, not just on veterinary needs, but obviously Beaver brings that angle, just trying to provide support to equestrians, uh, horses, horses and people, to be honest, but primarily, primarily horses. And they've done a fantastic job of fundraising and supporting that effort. I think better than any other sector, really. I think the equine sector has a lot to be proud of i i it's not it's clearly it's not my background so i may have missed a lot of what's going on but i don't see the same level of coherence uh and cooperation and therefore the level of success in in the other areas that we've got on the equine side which frankly is a bit disappointing because clearly the the need for for small animal veterinary care in some of those urban areas just you can't even begin to imagine uh, and similarly, the farming sector, they have, they're clearly heavily reliant on their domestic farming sector to pro provide them with food. And it, we're already predicting issues next year, the year after with food supply, even if the war was to come to a relatively quick end, which clearly it may not. Um, there are major issues on the farming side. And uh, we've had some cooperation with the pig veterinary society who are trying to provide support to their pig industry which is really critical for their food production but unfortunately i don't i don't see much evidence of a wider effort across the whole veterinary sphere and sadly i don't see much of an effort coming from the rest of europe that it's, it's unfair to say there is no effort there clearly is there's a lot going on but um i was disappointed to be honest to be honest at what i saw over there and it may be that everything is going in through other channels uh, and I wasn't aware of it, but I think there is huge scope for a lot more cooperation, both on the veterinary side and on the human side.
it'd be fair to say that you had some frustrations with um, with accessing supplies. I, I, I remember you talking about um, NHS sales. I'm still intensely frustrated. Uh, it's an, it's an absolutely ridiculous situation that we and fair play to the VMD that we can send veterinary medicines across, um, but from my current understanding and from from those I'm working with on the human side, it's still extremely challenging to take human medicines over there legally because of red tape and the fact people aren't licensed distributors, pharmacists, wholesalers, uh, essentially precludes taking medicines over there. Uh, and it's even harder actually to source a lot of stuff in Poland. So clearly the obvious thing is to source it in Poland, Slovakia, Moldova, Hungary, take it across the border. But red tape is stopping that from happening, which is is just ludicrous. Um, I. Yeah, I don't know who's listening to this. I'm not going to go into the details of some of the medicines that they require on the human side, but it's it's pretty hideous what is happening in some of those combat zones. Uh, and there is a desperate need for medicines. I just can't quite fathom that we can't get our act together six, eight weeks down the line to to get these medicines over there to help these people out. If if an, if we can't protect them from what's going on, and I understand the reasons why we as the UK can't, then surely we have a, a moral duty to get over the medicines they need to to mitigate what's happened to them. And I, I don't understand why there isn't a more coordinated effort within the NHS. Like from the from the start of this, Till and myself and others have been buying um, ex NHS equipment to send over there, both to their combat forces and also for their civilian medical services. And it, it's stuff that's coming out of the NHS, a lot of it, well, it's clearly all unwanted, but a lot of it being sold for a pittance and is then going to private medical auction houses and then we're buying it. And we, we know full well that we're probably bidding against other people who are looking to send stuff to Ukraine. Like what, why is that stuff not being swept up as it comes out of the NHS and just being shipped over there? Uh, we're, what are we, six, eight weeks into this conflict? We've had plenty of time to join this thinking up to to make contacts from Ukraine to the UK and to other places. But I'm working with the Ukrainian Medical Association and some other volunteer groups who are speaking to the hospitals in Ukraine, finding out their list of requirements, sending them across to volunteers in the UK who are then trying to source the kit and get it into Ukraine. Why is that not happening at top level? I don't get it. But perhaps it needs someone who gets frustrated very quickly in order to make these things happen, Dave. I've been knocking on political doors and and I've not made any progress. I, I know health ministers have been informed um, and NHS trusts have been spoken to repeatedly, but it's not happened. No, no. I mean, on the, on the positive side, and, and we're often pr- very critical of the VMD, um, but they have, um, they've been very supportive, haven't they? Yeah, they have. Yeah, it, it, took, it took a while to get the wheels in motion, but we always expect that with a governmental organisation. Um, but yeah, to be fair to them, they've been extremely helpful, extremely pragmatic, and they have allowed us to to do what we need to do on the veterinary side, which is great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so the logistics has clearly been pretty challenging, but it feels like in the equine side of things, in terms of providing humanitarian support, human medical aid, and veterinary aid and and animal support or support particularly for horses we've been relatively coordinated and there is a if i'm right there's a bef person on the ground in 
at the border in Poland. Is that right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, Char- uh, Charlie Thornycroft is over there as a volunteer for BE. Uh, she she's based about an hour from the border at an equestrian centre there, which BE, with the support of the FEI and the Ukrainian Equestrian Federation, I, I wouldn't like to say who's supporting who, to be honest, um, the three the three have been working together to sort that out. So, yeah, they've done a fantastic job of acquiring uh, stabling and acquiring storage such that horses can come out of Ukraine and supplies can go into Ukraine and, and that, that um, property can act as a hub for all that activity, all coordinated by, by Charlie. Uh, who's done a fantastic job of of managing the whole situation in some pretty testing circumstances. So part of the reason for my going over there was just to see how she was getting on and get a feel for exactly what was going going on on the ground. I think we're we're all used to Zoom and all the different modalities we have for communicating, but I still there is no substitute, I think, for seeing it for yourself. And my understanding, having come back, is infinitely better than it was before I went out. Yeah. So... So you um, you had try, or we had all tried to be in contact with um, vets, equine vets in particular, on the ground um, in Ukraine, but it had been difficult despite the fact that we'd had some prior contact with them. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was difficult. It was difficult. And we, and we do have personal connections out there through the Beaver Trust courses that have been running for a number of years now. Uh, uh, it, to be fair, that we were trying to contact them in and around Kiev when it was being shelled and communications were, were really tricky. That situation has got better. We've now got direct contacts in uh, a number of different towns around Ukraine. I've, just before we started to record this, I just came off, the, off a WhatsApp call to somebody over there who's looking to further coordinate that, that response within Ukraine. Well, what we want to be doing is supporting them to to support themselves essentially and i'm hoping that the ukrainian veterinary networks can sort out the distribution once we get everything into ukraine uh, a bit more than we are at the moment it's already working well we're getting stuff into lviv and up to kiev but uh clearly the greatest need is in the southern and eastern areas which we have struggled to communicate with but within ukraine they're managing to communicate reasonably well obviously there's everyone knows everyone in the equestrian world so our, our communication links are getting better and better but fundamentally if we can just communicate with one or two people in ukraine and they can do the rest then then that's ideal absolutely so we sort of talked about your involvement sort of from a fundraising side of things from organizing logistics from getting your hands dirty and um and buying the kit and packing the lorries but what was it that that kicked you into action to to head out there or was it just um you wanted a medal <laughs> I, I know i know i won't be getting a medal unless it's for stupidity um uh tooth well a number of things really i think the thing that really made me get on the plane in the end was speaking to anatoly levitsky who's a vet in in kiev that you know as well as i do and he was just crying out for medicines which he didn't have and I knew with the best one in the world, it was going to take two weeks to get stuff over there if we started loading it onto lorries and sending it across. Um, so part, partly to fulfill his needs far more quickly and partly because we were already uh, planning to send somebody over to see how Charlie was getting on and to, to report back. I just, I had a few days when I knew I could go. And so I just went. And I think also we just had, an extremely generous 
donation from the AAP come into Beaver Trust. A large amount of money. Um, well, I think I can say, can I? Fifty thousand dollars. They they pledged to support, and I think I just I felt that as due diligence we needed to go and actually someone from Beaver ought to go and check out what was happening on the ground just to make sure that that money was being spent in the way that we felt it was being spent. So, yeah, it was a, co- a combination of factors really. And when you got when you got out there, was it what you expected, or what did you find? I'm not sure I knew what. I'm not sure I went with any fixed expectations. I was impressed, really impressed by what has been set up near the border and what Charlie's doing to coordinate that effort and the number of people that were rallying around to help. That yeah, I was really impressed by that. I suppose I was slightly frustrated that even when you were over there the challenges of communication within Ukraine were tricky for all the all the reasons that one can imagine in a war-torn country. Um, it wasn't quite the, the magic answer to all our communication challenges to the south and east of the country that I hoped it might be, but it was ridiculous to think that my visit would solve that because Charlie obviously has been working on that already. Uh, so yeah, I, I was impressed. What, 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 did, what did you see of the evacuation effort, both on the human side of things, probably more importantly, and then, and then also on the equine side of things? Uh, on the, hum, uh, on the on human, human side, there's a lot less people coming across the border at the moment, although I was disappointed to hear after I got back that some of the reason for that was because they're being prevented from crossing the border because of, again, more ludicrous red tape issues. So that, that might have partly explained why there were less people coming across when I was actually at the border crossing. There were still a depressing number of people in the refugee camp near the border. Uh, it's a lot, lot less than it was at the start of the conflict, but it's it was still a pretty harrowing experience to see all those people in there. Um, and fair play to all the volunteers that are working out of that camp, Brits and other European nations represented, and Canadians, Americans. They have done a fantastic job of trying to get those people posted across Europe or locally. So there are an awful lot of people actually in the environs of the camp that aren't in the camp itself, in Airbnbs. Um, but even so, there are a lot of people in the camp, a lot of kids crying, a lot of pets running around. Um, it was, yeah, it was pretty horrible. Um, on, the, on, the, well, on the equine side, Getting horses across the border was a complete nightmare. I was involved in trying to do that. Again, red tape, paperwork, vet checks, pretty, pretty, uh, yeah, pretty annoying that essentially the delays at the border are caused by vets not signing bits of paper, not stamping bits of paper. Horses are sitting at the border for 24, 48 hours. Nowhere to, nowhere to take them off the lorries. There's no stabling or anything. It's hard to get water and food into them um so yeah that's a pretty rubbish situation but i think everyone's aware that that is not sustainable we can't look to bring all the courses out of ukraine it would be ludicrous to think that we could so i think that was always phase one moving moving horses out of immediate danger and across the border i think the the bigger effort now and we've got a platform to do it or or the equestrian um cooperative we've got a platform to do it is to start moving help into ukraine um, I think it, it was a valuable exercise moving some of those horses out and it has certainly helped to um, engender trust and improve communication such that we can now work more closely with organisations in Ukraine and get and get help further into the country. Um, I think 
an immediate response such as the one we, we that has been mounted is always going to de develop into something slightly different and that there is an evolution going on now as the focus is shifting deeper and deeper into Ukraine. Uh, and what's stopping, I mean, presumably the, uh, the, the, from what you've described, the challenges are getting stuff into Ukraine and getting it distributed within Ukraine. What's stopping vets going into Ukraine from Poland or from outside of Ukraine to do that, to help with that? Physically, there's nothing stop nothing stopping them, and there are some that are going across the border. Uh, <clears throat> but clearly, it it is a pretty perilous place to go. And the the fundamental issue is that it's on the Foreign and Commonwealth um, list of places that one wouldn't sh one shouldn't travel to, and therefore you can't get any insurance to go in there. So if you do go in there, you go in there entirely at your own risk, and it. You do feel a bit small saying, well, I'm not, I'm not going in because it's a bit dangerous when there's, I don't know, 50 million people left in Ukraine that are dealing with those perils every day and a lot of them are moving around quite freely to do what they need to do. They're going to dangerous areas to treat horses, to pull horses out. You say, sorry, I'm a bit too cowardly to go and do that. Um, but... I, yeah, difficult, isn't it? But do you do you really go in there without any insurance, without any governmental support, knowing if you got into trouble, potentially you're going to cause more of an issue than you went in there to solve? Um, yeah, difficult situation. I think the the pen farthing situation in Afghanistan obviously got a lot of bad press, and I think everyone's anxious to avoid that. And anyone that's affiliated to an official organisation just isn't going to be able to go into a country against foreign and Commonwealth Office advice. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so, despite that, are you are you confident that the right things are getting to the right place in the in the majority of cases? You know, is the is the aid effort certainly from from what you're involved with? Are you happy that that's being effective? Yeah, absolutely. Nothing's perfect, and it's never going to be perfect in a in a situation such as that. On the on the human side, I was I was really reassured to see how much stuff that had just clearly come from Joe Public in the UK and elsewhere was was in this refugee camp. So yeah, it's it's getting there. And then it's also being picked from the camps and taken into Ukraine. So yes, I don't have any doubts that the stuff that's going in there is is getting to where it can make a difference. There is there is a, a real need for cash to be purchasing medicines and other such that people just can't send over on the on the human as well as the veterinary side one one assumed that the dc money the red cross money and so forth would all be filtering in locally and buying those things that couldn't be shipped over but regrettably in the camp that i was in they were crying out for more stuff and they were bemoaning the absence of of any of the big ngos and i hope that's not a picture that is repeated elsewhere um but yeah, the experience I had of, of being there was there was still a need for for cash to help out the smaller NGOs and the volunteer groups that are over there uh, at the cold face. On the on the equine side, um, yes, definitely, definitely making a difference. I think there is there are challenges getting to the small man that has the small pony um, or the small woman that has the small pony. Uh, 
the people that clearly have the best connections are the ones that are most likely to to get to the support. So um, those that are more entrenched within the equestrian world have the right contacts to know that this support is coming in to Lviv and they know where to, to get hold of it. So there, <clears throat> there, is, there is a need to try and reach out to to the person with a backyard pony that isn't really well connected and to get help to them and everyone's very conscious of that including the the ukrainian equestrian federation um obviously those people that are affiliated with the federation that they know where the help is but the, the federation are trying to reach those other people but it is it is difficult um so it's imperfect but everything that is going out there is making a difference absolutely and in terms of in terms of a need i think you know we've had some pictures in and some stories in that, that demonstrate that there is a real real need amongst the horse uh, for veterinary equipment and veterinary supplies. Yeah, it's impossible to quantify that need. Um, but yeah, you've seen some of the stuff that I've seen of, of what's gone on in occupied areas. Some of it's in the public domain, some of it probably ought not get in the public domain. Uh, it, it, it's pretty brutal what's been happening out there. I think we've all seen that the, the lack of respect for human life and animal life has been no different. Um, so there, yeah, there is some, some, some pretty hideous stuff that's gone on and the vets, the vets in those regions are dealing with that. The vets around Kiev have sorted themselves out into a bit of a cooperative to try and cover the ground as best they can. Um, there are clearly lots of places they can't get to. Uh, and they are, they're crying out for, for medicines, which was part of what prompted me to just, fill two suitcases and go. Um, even even with the cash, they can't buy what they need. So it has to be physically sent up there. The small animal veterinary guys are asking for both cash and um, physical donations. They seem to be managing better with medicines for small animals. And they are they're utilizing a lot of say a lot of some human medicines as well but clearly they're in short supply and you've got you've got to start worrying about the ethics if they're being diverted to veterinary species um so i don't have such a good idea of what's going on on the small animal side but i know we are in touch with the president of the small animal veterinary association and he is he's got various options for getting aid in both medicines and and cash so if anyone's listening to this that that has more influence in the small animal world than I do and has an interest in helping then uh, I don't see I don't see the same level of support on the small animal side that we have on the equine side and hopefully that's because I've not witnessed it but I suspect it's just not happening the same way so it would be it would be fantastic to be able to upscale that small animal effort particularly as we can piggyback it on the logistics that have already been set up for the equine effort. Um, it would also be fair to say we're trying to um we're trying to get some traction with pharmaceutical companies and with the wholesalers. It's not perhaps been as speedy a, re a reaction as, as we might have hoped, but, but there is engagement, isn't there? Yeah, there's engagement. I, I've had a reasonably good 24 hours with speaking to manufacturers and wholesalers, so we are starting to get somewhere, but it was harder than I anticipated, it has to be said. I think a lot of companies made uh, donations or pledges of support at the start of the crisis, uh, primarily to the humanitarian effort, which is totally fair enough. We will appreciate that comes first. Uh, maybe they thought that was their their support. I think a lot of others are terrified of uh, doing something wrong, um, breaching any any rules and regs that are out there. Um, so I think there's a reticence there to supply product, even though we have 
we have overcome those issues by working with the VMD and with the state veterinary service in Ukraine. So there are we can totally legally get stuff in there. Um, yeah, bureaucracy. You know how much I love it. <laughs> you love it. You love it. Um, so well, we, yeah, we have had some good conversations with um, with the manufacturers. I think to be fair, a lot of them are trying to the the bigger international companies are supporting out of their more regional offices, whether it's in Poland or or other places in Eastern Europe. And I have now started having meetings with some of those groups as well. And it's I think while some of the big multinationals think support is going in, what what often has well, what has been happening in some situations is they they're allocating support but they don't know how to get it in so through our slightly less formal channels possibly although still legal channels we can get some of those supplies in so uh yeah so i think things are improving but there is definitely huge scope um to be doing more to source stuff centrally in bigger quantities and and moving it in and on the equine side i think we're reasonably under control at the moment um but again there's a crying need on the farm animal side and on the small animal side. So if anyone, if anyone has influence or has, or knows other people that have influence on that side and they can try and set up some support that can piggyback off the, the equine effort, then, then that would be great. No one's being precious about this. No one's saying that lorry can only take equine supplies. Uh, everyone is trying to work together. Uh, so it would be really good to, to try and coordinate that effort. Fantastic. So uh, what are the, where are the key needs now? What what needs to happen now and in the next few weeks? Uh, <clears throat> we need to improve our network into the south and east of country to get veterinary supplies in there. So we're working with vets in Ukraine to get that done. To buy veterinary supplies, um, it really is cash. We we have set up systems that people can buy stuff through wholesalers and it can be sent to, to to till hormone and, and he'll ship it out so you can buy physical products that way but we can probably get better deals by buying it direct ourselves so cash is is really helpful if you want to just put it to the equine cause then it can go in the the british equestrians fund that will be used for equine stuff across the board not specifically veterinary if you specifically want to to support the procurement of veterinary medicines then the british veterinary professionals for ukraine uh, GoFundMe is probably the best way to do that. It is frustrating that we've got these different fundraisers for different things, but again, that's red tape, as as you know, David. Different charity articles specify what different people can support. So, World Horse Welfare, Beaver can only support equine specific things. So, different different groups have got different funds that um, are doing slightly different things, but ultimately, everybody is working together to identify the greatest needs and channel the funds that way. Um, so I think that's probably the best way people can help at the moment. On the humanitarian side, again, it's cash really to buy medicines. There's loads of, well, there's never too much, but there's loads of clothes, shower gel, kids' toys, because people can readily provide those and have done very generously. But it's identifying those more niche needs for things that normal people, it's poor, poor choice of phrase, you know what I mean, that people can't buy and send. Uh, we have access to to get hold of the medicines and stuff that, that that people need, albeit more challenging than it might be. So, again, cash is needed is needed for that. Um, so, so just very just just to be really clear, if someone's listening to this and they want to go and donate um, either to veterinary supplies, equine supplies, or humanitarian supplies, where are the three places they should go? 
Um, so if they just want a specific equine support, then the World Horse Welfare fundraising um, page, we probably best to put the link out after this, isn't it? Um, if they want to know that it's being spent on veterinary medicines, then the British Veterinary Professionals for Ukraine veterinary page. If they want to support humanitarian effort and help us to get some of those harder to source items into the refugee camps and into Ukraine, then again, the British Veterinary Professionals for Ukraine GoFundMe page, there's a human page as well as a veterinary page so that people can choose where they want to send their support. Okay, we'll put the links in the in the description of this podcast. Um, great. Uh, and then lastly, um, I know when you were over there, you you went to one of the human refugee camps. That must have been quite difficult. I know you've got a young family. Uh, yeah, you'll get me going now. Um, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, pretty horrible. <laughs> um, you you just can't like. I was missing my kids. I've been in, I've been away for two days. Um, there's no men in that camp, or hardly. Um, and we were actually with a guy at the border that was had come out with his family on, on, on medical grounds and he wasn't required to stay in Ukraine on medical grounds. Um, and then he was trying to get back out of the country, having been in to sort out some legal documents. Um, and the border guards told him he wasn't allowed to come out. And like being with that guy, when he was told that he wasn't going to be allowed to come out of the country and would have to go back and fight. Um, yeah <laughs> yeah you, you you put yourself in those you don't uh, how would you cope in that situation um and then in the in the campus he he did get out he he was okay but clearly um he's the lucky one and you can understand why all the men are being retained in country but what a situation to be in um and then in the in the camp itself women and children um elderly people yeah you just can't you just can't quite understand how that's happening in in Europe in 2022, um, but yeah, all we can all we can do is try and help. Yeah, Dave, that's probably a very poignant note on which to leave it. I, I, from from a personal perspective, I've been on the periphery and watched watching all you've done, and I've been you know, amazed and and hugely impressed by by what you've done personally and what you've managed to coordinate um, as well as the efforts of all, all the others who have been closely involved and, and what you've given up and contributed. It's, it's sort of, it's a real um, eye opener. It's been a real eye opener for me. And it, and I, and I think more than anything else, it's the, it's the drive and the determination that you, you clearly feel, have felt very passionately about something and you haven't, sat back and whinged and expected someone else to do it you've got off your backside and you've you've made it happen when you know when there's a, been a huge amount running against that and yes you've been working as part of a team but um just as a someone observing on the periphery thank you um i only wish i had half the uh, get up and go that you have on that note um Dave, thank you very much. Good luck with the future. Let's hope um, we get more cash in and let's hope we can do more good and let's hope the conflict um, stops as soon as possible and we can um, we can support your efforts to look after the people and the horses and vets in Ukraine. Thanks, Dave. This episode of BeaverPod was produced by Beaver. For more details on the benefits of your Beaver membership, 
and the products and services offered, please go to our website at www.beaver.org.uk.